0: welcome to the emergent human where we explore optimizing health and body spirituality and post-conventional living i'm michael Osterlink, a therapist coach and educator and i'm your host shout out to dr dan stickler and michael hamilton from the apparel center for human potential my partners along with kurt and megan in co-leading the apparel mastermind group called the rta collective today's show is brought to you by cost an amazing body worker in the Northern Virginia area who has integrated different semantic practices into his work. To learn more about his work, visit his website at CosperScafidi.com. Today's guests are Esme and Terence, the authors of Tigris and Dragon of 100 Lifetimes, an erotic memoir of sacred consorts. Esme, also known as Tigris, lives in a mermaid's life by the sea and writes poetry and prose to heal and inspire herself and others. She believes nature is life's greatest teacher, and her craft involves the alignment and balancing of objects, people, and energies to create better flow. She considers herself a magical and powerful Taoist witch. Terence, dragon, lives a dragon's life and enjoys his time in the forest and mountains, communing with nature. He also walks in the 3D world of science and technology, sharing his healing light and cleansing flame with others. He came to his path of sovereignty and joy after suddenly awakening to his true nature at age 55. He considers himself a powerful and magical talus witch. Esme and Terrence, welcome to The emergent Human.
1: Thank you, glad to be here.
2: Yes, welcome. We're happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Your book was amazing. And one of the things that really stands out to me is both the transpersonal and the personal nature of your story. And what I mean by that for the listening audience, and I definitely wanna encourage folks to read the book, is that you talk a a lot about these amazing experiences you have during lovemaking and and preparation for lovemaking and the connection you guys have that are more transpersonal, connecting to source, connecting to these amazing energies, the healing energies of life, uh, where time is kind of bent the way we think about time in a linear sense. And all those stories are amazing and kind of give hope to, I would imagine, the reader of the story of what's possible for us as human beings, especially in relationship, deeper relationship to ourselves and deeper relationship to another human being or other human beings. But you're also very personal. You share in a very vulnerable way some of the deep challenges you have as individuals in a relationship. And before we kind of jump into some of those challenges and some of the more transpersonal experiences you guys had, I'd love to hear individually, what led you to this path that you're now teaching others through your book, Tigress and the Dragon of a 100 Lifetimes?
2: Okay, I will start. Hi, this is Esme. I feel that I've always been in this path, um, almost accidentally, you know, in my 20s. I was studying meditation and I came upon Magtech Chia and the micro um, orbit. And I started just playing with that and meditating by myself. And as I was exploring relationships, I was always like, hey, maybe I can explore this with a partner. And you know, not everyone was open, but I, I feel like I'd been experimenting on my own for a long time. Then came my interest in yoga. I was a yoga teacher for a while, Iyengar Yoga. And then, as an acupressure massage therapist, where I learned more about the five elements, um, healing energy from a Taoist perspective. And, you know, there are certain aspects of what I was learning that had to do with sexuality. And so that led me to um, exploring more about how Taoism, sexuality, energy flow comes together. And I had been in a massage program around sexuality and Taoist principles when I met Terence and we were colleagues. So we started to share our ideas. And then as we became partners, it was a great opportunity for us to practice what we had both been learning. And um, yeah, and so that led, you know, it's been almost a 30 year journey. Wow. Yes, and it happened organically at first, but then it started to come together as if it's a natural path. You know, as if human beings, you know, can learn to cultivate their energy separately, but then coming together and cultivate cultivating energy together is a natural path towards wellness and spirituality and deeper relations.
0: Thank you, Esme. For you, Terence, you, you mentioned uh, or I mentioned about you that you had you awakened to your true nature at age. 50. And I'm curious on the path that led you to recognize your true nature. What, what does that mean for so you? I,
1: yeah, I uh, I led a very conventional life for the first 50 years of my life. And uh, I was at the point where I was at a very unhappy and um, place in my life. And I had begun a meditation practice to support my mental health. And somewhere along, perhaps about Uh, A year after I uh, started my meditation practice, I had a very sudden and unexpected mystical experience uh, that opened me up and exposed me to my true nature, a connection with a direct connection with source, something akin to a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. Although I was not in a near-death experience. And that rather uh, unceremoniously punked me down on a spiritual path. And that spiritual path led me uh, through Buddhism, through Hinduism, through Tantric practice. And I studied with Hindu Tantric and Taoist Tantric masters for for several years. And uh, became very adept at using sexual energy uh, from those lineages in supporting my own health and well-being, physical, mental, emotional. And that was, again, about the time when Esme and I met. And we became intimate, and all those practices that we in individually had cultivated as individual practitioners just blossomed and exploded, really, uh, in in these transpersonal experiences that we that we shared with the readers.
0: Yeah, can you, can you both share both some of the practices you do as a couple, and then maybe at least one of the more transpersonal experiences. And then, as I said earlier, I'd like to dive into, you know, the, the vulnerability you guys share with each other, obviously, but also with your reading audience in the book.
2: So um, I had been in a bhakti yoga class with Tina Benson and Stuart Stavosky, who I, I believe, you know, yes. and we did some very powerful practices around the appreciation practice where, you know, you would come together, you know, as pairs, as this couple, or as even friends and say, you know, Terrence, I appreciate the intention which you bring to every time we meet. And, you know, we I learned that in the bhakti yoga and I applied it to my relationship with Terrence. There's also another practice I learned um, through that lineage called the longing practice. Mm-hmm where one opens up to confess a deep longing not necessary to make a request that would be you know fulfilled but it could even be a very personal longing that may not happen right away may not ever happen but it's something deeply 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 wanted so for example terence and i have done practices where we say you know, I say, Terrence, uh, I long to live closer to you. I long to be able to wake up and um, see you off in the morning, you know. And the partner, Terrence, would say, oh, thank you for that longing. Because the idea is really not to give our partners a task list, <laughs> but to give our partners a lens into ourselves that is deep and vulnerable, and that creates uh, an openness for both of us to navigate both the things that are going well, like the appreciation practice, as well as the things that are tough, you know, like the longing practice, things that we don't know how we would give one another, but we're not hiding it. We're not turning away from ourselves or each other. We're actually just being very vulnerable and doing that practice. So those are two practices that I learned from a lineage of Um, bhakti yoga, and I brought brought that to my relationship with Terence.
1: A lot of our physical practices could be condensed down as meditative practices, showing up to one another in just everyday life, uh, just looking into one another's eyes, being present uh, for the other person, Uh, and that really shines when you're making love, where you're looking into the other person's eyes, being very deliberate and uh, intentional and slowing way down and touching the person in a very caring and loving way and just slowing down the, the process and being paying attention really. Uh, so many of us just rush through most aspects of our lives and just bringing that meditative focus to the, the intimate interactions, whether it's sexual or not. in your relationship is, is really at the core of, of our practices. And uh, for example, um, one practice that we talk about in the book is a practice called Carezza. And careza, we didn't invent this. This was uh, invented by the folks who founded the United Group in the late 1800s. And really it's a way of touching one another where you're really touching um, the other individual at a single point with the tip of your finger and you're moving at a glacial speed uh, as you touch them. And this can be, it can be just a very everyday touch, or it can be very sensual. And that point of contact brings that, not only your attention, but the partner's attention and their chi to that point. So it's really moving their energy and moving their focus. And if you kind of integrated that into your erotic practice, then it becomes really, really powerful at building the sexual energy. And um, And the other part of the practice is... Once you're building the sexual energy, is recirculating it as, uh, as May had mentioned earlier, using a microcosmic orbit, for example, which is a standard Taoist technique to recirculate the energy through your body, so that this sexual energy that you're building circulates over and over and over again, so it doesn't end in ejaculation for the man in in 10 minutes it goes on and on and on and on and on and it just builds that energy up and it just it energizes your whole body your whole body becomes what uh, mantachia would call the chi ball Um, and that's those are some examples of the practices the the more physical practices that we uh, talk about to
0: to what end would it be useful to raise one's energy that way What's the intention behind the, those Taoist practices?
1: The Taoist practice, uh, you could. We talked about the three treasures uh, in the yeah. book, the the what the Taoists call the the, the Jing, the Qi, and the Shun. The, the Jing is uh, really your sexual energy. It's uh, located in your lower chakras. It's kind of your core energy. It's associated with the muscles and the blood and the semen. It's kind of your, the, the stuff that supports everything. It's your, your strength and all that. The chi the is associated with air. And that's kind of the energy you have to get up and do things every single day. And the shan is very ethereal. It's associated with your spirit or your soul. And that's kind of your joie de vivre, what motivates you. And the way the Taoists talk about it is you build your Qing first, and then the Qing, the excess Qing supports your Qi, and the excess Qi supports your Shun. And if you think about the way people talk about uh, health and well-being these days, you exercise, you do exercise to strengthen the body. Uh, That helps you have more energy to get through the day, and the more energy you get through the day, the more motivated you are and the more inspired you are. And the sexual energy is a core aspect of uh, building the jink. So it all starts with the sexual energy um, in the lineages that we were raised in. Uh, and that builds, that found, performs a foundation for everything uh, in your entire life, your health and well-being across the board.
0: Thank you, Terrence. Yes, As-
2: yes I, I love that, Terrence. I love that you're sharing these deep, practices and where they come from for you. For me, uh, I live a very busy life. Um, I'm a mom. I have a full-time job. I have healing practices that I do. And I'm always looking for ways to increase my alertness and be more alive in the world. You know, so I'll swim, I'll meditate, I'll do yoga. But before meeting Terrence and doing these practices, you know, it wasn't, I never thought of a relationship as a place to wake me up to how beautiful life is mm. and doing these practices and making love the way we do. Um, and sometimes it's not even making love. Sometimes it's just giving each other body work or doing one of these pra- practices kind of pulls me into the magic of life. It's, it's just that mm-hmm. it's not the only way, but it's, I'm always mm-hmm. looking for these ways because I'm so mired every day in tasks. You know, I have a long task list. I have people counting on me. And I look for those moments where I can feel magical and feel alive and feel very centered upon myself. And before this, I always thought, okay, I have to generate those myself, you know, with my own practices. But being with Terrence and interacting in this way, doing these practices with Terrence actually awakens me more to my aliveness my the magic that i can see in everyday life so i always you know like my eyes are always brighter after seeing him there's I, i just see so much more beauty in the world i'm going around like photographing a whole bunch of beautiful pictures because it awakens me in my aliveness so beyond you know what i feel is true with all those health benefits there's a whole level where i think as a modern person i need those reminders of magic and I need those reminders of being in a body and being fully alive. Mm. this give us that. Yeah.
1: yeah, right on.
0: Yeah, one one of the things that I think is is kind of a missing in kind of our Western spiritual approach is is it's limited. It's limited to more the transcendent approach. Like let's get out of the body, let's get out of the earth, let's you know kind of go to these higher spaces, higher stages, higher states. Right. And one of the things I love about your book is you, you seem to be integrating. like like getting into the body, getting into feelings, getting into sensations, as well as the more transpersonal and transcendent. Can you guys both speak to that as well as maybe share one story on the more transpersonal side?
1: Yes. um, Let me think about this for a second. Yes, the, the lineages that we follow, that we were trained in, have a strong focus on the body uh, and it, it all begins with the body. We're here, we're spiritual beings inhabiting this body. And one of the reasons that we're doing that is so that we can experience everything that is here. And so it's kind of, we're in a playground here and to simply just simply bypass that because it's too miserable or what have you um, is, is it's, it's a shame uh, to really just the transcendent is, is great. Uh, and the transpersonal was great, but at its core, we're, we're sent here. And this is my personal belief to have this experience of being alive in this being in this body. Uh, we can do a lot of awesomely cool and pleasurable things with the body. So why not focus on it? And that as a, as a foundation of the practice that then carries you into the more transcendent, more transpersonal uh, aspects, but really why, why not? enjoy it
2: yeah and mine is actually i'm not from the west i'm originally from the east i'm from vietnam so i grew up you know going to a buddhist temple at a very young age and you know people were chanting and singing but there was also a lot of food and community and um, I had elders in my life that did tai chi every morning at the park. You know, you can go to any park in Vietnam, and between four o'clock and six o'clock in the morning, there could be fifty to a hundred people out there doing tai chi. You know, wow. and yes, yeah, so it's it's very much, it's a very much implicit that the body is part of spirit. You know, because um, when You know, when I was joining folks at the park, for example, you know, people were doing it, but they were doing it both as an intention to keep their bodies healthy, but also with the intention of connecting to their community, you know, because a hundred people show up. And then also with the intention of connecting to the Chi, you know, there's, there's usually an instructor and the instructor always talks about the Chi that we have in our body, um, we're connecting earth and heaven with our feet and heaven with our crown, and we're doing those practices. So I I think I have the advantage of having that as a foundation and then coming to the United States, you know, when I was nine and then later on, um, always studying martial arts, always studying uh, Tai Chi and then studying acupressure body work on top of my other more intellectual pursuits, because I always felt that it was very important to, to do practices in the body and to also share practices in the body with others and so it's it's not necessarily limited to a romantic relationship for me but it is definitely intrinsic to what I think it is to become like a full human in community and you know in certain communities in the U.S. that's very supported but you have to look for them and I had the advantage of growing up somewhere where it was just happening every day just always available you know happening in my own household you know my grandparents going to the tai chi class yeah nice. I love mm-hmm.
0: that. you know one of the things that stands after me and i still want you to share one of your transpersonal experiences but in the book is that you talk about multiple different systems like uh, rosicrucian and gnostics and hindu tantrics and taoist but and although the language is different for each of these systems there seems to be a lot of universals and it just, it's amazing to consider that all these different cultures historically over time explored and defined the, the universals of what it means to be human and what's possible for us. And that there's so many connections between these seemingly disparate paths and practices and techniques and technologies. Um, what was it like for you guys to kind of begin, uh, using my word, integrate, maybe you guys might use a different word, but or synthesize or whatever you might want to use. You like these different practices, and then be able to share a story around them.
1: Sure, um, I think I could draw an analogy. Um, if you, you or your 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 listeners have read a lot of Joseph Campbell, um, he talks a lot about how all these mythological themes uh, permeate all these different cultures that are separated through time and space, um, and and in different cultural conditions. And so there's a common core there, uh, a common truth that is apparent to people and has been apparent to people for a long, long time. And they just express that in different manifestations and different mythologies, mythological stories. And in the same way, um, all these practices, there is a core truth there in these practices that we are connected to source and that we can access source through meditative practices or through sexual practices or through centering prayer or through any number of mystical practices that have been passed down through um, ages and ages. Uh, the sad part about it is, though, that the, the mystical practices, which reside primarily and within subsets of religious institutions, are pretty har- pretty harshly stamped down by the the folks who run those institutions because they don't support the institutional way. Uh, they're more about personal growth and development. Uh, so so that's kind of the the analogy. And, you know, you, as may have studied in many different lineages, and so have I, and as you step back from the, rather than getting really um, drilled into a particular lineage, we've, as we've gotten older, we've been able to step back from any particular lineage see the commonalities and kind of pick and choose in kind of a cafeteria style from all the different lineages and just kind of it's it's not a conscious effort to integrate all these practices we just they it, they are just kind of channeled uh when we're when we're together and when we do our separate practices so it's just kind of a natural integration of things that we've learned uh things that come to us directly uh things that we just invent on our own which other people have probably done uh along the way
0: yeah speaking of inventing and i'll, I'll have you share a little bit later but you t- you in the book you talk about the grocery shopping experience
2: oh. <laughs> awesome. I,
0: I love that and, and you guys know i actually i turned that into a practice for some of my clients brilliant um so, so, so on that topic, you want to share that, and then maybe one of the transpersonal or two transpersonal. We, All right,
1: we just we just did it. went just, to the grocery we store. We just grocery <laughs> shopping yesterday, and we did the same thing. So That's <laughs> it, awesome
2: do you want to talk about this yes we <laughs> so you know we're, we're smirking because you know we're at natural grocers again which is where we had a series of these grocery shopping practices and you know we're looking at it i'm like you know i'm going to go to the place where i look at hats and and you know cool things from and I'm sure someone will come over for help. And I will just have my energy be very open, you know, just very, very open. And, you know, we make sure that we're flirting with each other before this, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of juice, right? So sure enough, we go to the grocery store, I'm in that section where I'm looking at hats and mitts and everything like that as part of the grocery store. And this person comes by and, you know... She's asking me if I'm getting what I need. I smile at her. And it was very interesting because she opened right up and she's like, I love those gloves, those mittens. Thank you so much for buying them. Launches into a story about this woman who knits these gloves. <laughs> oh Terence and I were looking at each other. We're like, it's happening again. <laughs> so then we go over the the card section where Terrence is standing and she's going on and on about you know this really great locals person who makes these beautiful gloves with the matching hats and how the people are not aware of that so they buy the hats and leave the gloves and you know she just we're laughing about all of this Mm -hmm. and I just see how you know just a little bit of our flirtiness and our fun And just being open to it, people pick up on it, right? And then they open up and then we're all having a really, you know, a really fun conversation that feels a little bit flirty, but really isn't not about, you know, taking people home with us. It's just more about just enjoying each other because our energy is open. And it helps somebody else's energy open. And it takes us, you know, even a more open perspective where we're learning about, you know, this local artisan, right? And then also the shopping habits of the people at the store and how they disregard the pairings of gloves and hats, you know, although (laughs) they apparently match, you know. So it was just very funny. Mm -hmm. You want to say your perspective of that?
1: Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's about opening up your, it's about allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Uh, Really, it's about opening yourself up and just taking that armor down. And just when you approach people and it could be it's a great practice, actually, to interact with other people in this way, whether you're um, talking to the the checkout person at the grocery store or the person working in a produce aisle or a bank teller or just some stranger you meet on the trip. It's uh, out on the street, rather. It's about opening yourself up and just approaching them like a puppy dog. Is the way I think about it, just just kind of open, non-threatening, just kind of being a little bit friendly, uh, and just reading their energy and allowing them to read your energy, and just being in presence with that person. And it's 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 really a delightful interaction uh, that anyone can do in any given situation. It's it's a great way to just talk about people, and as May talked about the appreciation practice. Um, earlier that we do is you know an individual ritualistic practice you can anyone can do that appreciation practice to anyone um at any point in time that you're interacting with for example just complimenting the the checkout person on you know how nice her earrings look
2: wait i don't have to sit and yap, yep, yep. <laughs> no <laughs> do you appreciate you others you don't have to okay thank god or okay. just
1: just Complimenting somebody on excellent service that they provided to you, rather than just leaving them a nice tip, just make a point of of saying that to them. And it's that personal interaction really makes all the difference. Of course, we carry it to a kind of a level of a fetish when we go to uh, the grocery store and do this because it's it's playtime for us. So
2: yeah, we were very playful with it. Yeah.
0: Well, and that actually comes through in your book, which is wonderful. That that spirituality doesn't have to be a heavy, serious thing. You know, you guys are very playful. You're fun. There's a lot of curiosity comes through in your stories. And yet, obviously, there are very serious aspects to life and to spiritual explorations. Right. But it's, it's so much fun. And it's awesome to hear you guys laugh about it. You know, the kind of the, how this shows up in your daily life
1: for you guys. Oh, it changed my worldview <laughs> a thousand percent. Everything is playtime now. <laughs> all all the stuff that i used to get all it's, it's not like my life is uh is a panacea anymore it's you know i still have challenges just like everybody else does but when you look at everything that we spend so much time getting hung up on and worrying about uh in the 3d world it's really just it's all part of a game or a drama or however you want to think about it. And, you know, my way of looking at it is, Hey, let's have some fun with this. And obviously you have to deal with real issues like sickness and death and, um, you know, financial hardship and all that stuff. But to the the extent that you can have fun, you really should. Uh, And if you take an attitude where every day you're choosing joy every day, you find that you're also choosing heaven every day. Why not make this heaven?
2: Yeah, and my add on it is more from a neuroscience perspective, because part of the body work that I was training on has to do with, um, you know, understanding about serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin, right, and how those are feel-good chemicals that can come from our relationships, but we have to actually cultivate them. So the appreciation practice cultivates a lot of serotonin right, right, right. and, you know, the foundation of our relationship, which we'll talk about our trans- our per- transpersonal experiences, the pleasure that is in our relationship cultivates dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. It's very powerful, right? Um, but it doesn't have to necessarily end when we're not together. It's just having that foundation and even just having a 10 minute call with each other. We can, recall those experiences regenerate each other we we often do that when each of us is having a hard time we recall like a moment we had together or we poke fun at each other in a way that's like only the other person knows you know so i think it's replenishing you know to to look at life that way as it's it's like a gas tank and we need we need a certain amount of feel-good chemicals especially during these times when everyone's so stressed out well how do you do that you know and one of the ways you do that is you cultivate a very deep very pleasurable very um supportive bond and then that bond can sort of help you through these times that you're feeling low you know but you have to cultivate it because naturally you know we're more likely to not appreciate things We're, you know the our, we talk about this, right. you know, from a survival perspective, you know, the human brain remembers bad things more than it remembers good mm, things, much, yeah. because it needs to, you know, like we're wired to remember that so that we don't, you know, get ourselves killed, right? But when it comes to living life and relationships, we actually have to go the other way, we actually cultivate the good things in all of our relationships with appreciation, right. and have fun, because, you know, already, we're wired to go the other way with right. more concern and more worry. So I feel like it's it's something that we've discovered since being with each other because we're such a supportive source of pleasure and trust and you know kinship for each other. Um, that I can see how this carries out, you know, beyond us, and it also helps me open up to create new bonds and new relationships where I, because I understand the value of that now. I understand if I cultivate goodness and good feelings with myself and others, that actually helps me more, you know, in my regular life than not. You wanna to talk to intimacy and sovereignty?
0: Yeah, let me let me ask you a, a more direct question about that. And I still wanna hear some of the transpersonal stories for okay. sure. And I know our listening audience is gonna to want to too. Okay. You know, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation, you guys are so open and honest about the challenges you face as individuals, but then also coming together as a couple and then over time as a couple, and you and you give some really interesting definitions around sovereignty and intimacy. And I'd be very interesting for a listening audience to hear what those are in the context of some of the challenges that you faced on this path with each other.
1: Sure, I think with with intimacy. Uh, from f- what we write about and from our perspective, intimacy, in, and Esme has a slightly different take on this, um, so we can start with me. Intimacy comes down to a couple of things. The first is presence. You really have to be present for your partner in order to develop any kind of an intima- in- intimacy. And we talked about some of these practices earlier. Just looking into your partner's eyes when you're making love, that's very simple. But so many people don't do it. Uh, and they're rushing through the lovemaking experience, Uh, take your time, be meditative about it, be present. And it's not just during lovemaking, it's anytime you're really having any kind of a serious conversation with your partner, be there, look at them, be face to face with them, look look right into physical touch and that presence and that willingness to sit there and bear witness to what you're talking about and and what they're talking about is so powerful. And that's a key aspect of intimacy is that presence. And, you know, when you're raking the leaves in the backyard or talking about chores, perhaps you don't need to be as present, but anything that has a sincere depth to it in terms of a conversation something that's going to be challenging or triggering uh, as well as any kind of physical intimacy that you want to have be present be paying attention be focused on your partner be completely there don't be thinking about um, who's taking the kids to soccer practice tomorrow don't be thinking about all this junk you have to do at work tomorrow be there in that moment and take advantage of that moment uh, to be there it's so so powerful and it's it it's a very simple concept. It's hard to do and it takes practice. Um, but it's so important. The other aspect of intimacy is vulnerability. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. And that's.
2: Okay. okay. Yeah. Sorry.
1: The vulnerability. Uh, we all. Um, are injured uh, to some degree. We all have traumas. Uh, Some people are really um, unfortunately severely traumatized by sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, but even folks who don't suffer those kinds of traumas, uh, we all endure the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and we tend to put up this armor that keeps people out because it feels a lot safer, but you can never develop deep intimacy with another person unless you start taking that armor off, and you have to allow yourself to open up uh, to, to be seen and to feel. And, and the other person also needs to start opening their armor up. And kind of the magic of the practice is the, once you start opening up that armor, and this takes time, the, you become more intimate, you become more you feel closer to your partner, which means the sexual energy builds that much higher which means you feel more comfortable taking the armor down, which makes you more vulnerable, and you both more vulnerable, which deepens the intimacy, which increases the sexual energy and makes the sex even more fantastic. And uh, the term I like to use is it becomes a self-licking ice cream cone after a while. And that's really, in my world, those are the keys to the intimacy. You want to add anything to that, uh, Esme?
2: Yeah, Michael co- is also asking about intimacy and sovereignty. Right. And I take it in terms that I've, I've had conversations with some of my friends about this book. You know, I, I had a friend who was going through a breakup and she was like, What do you mean? Like, how is sovereignty connected to intimacy? And I said, Well, you know, sovereignty is the sense of you're making decisions for yourself, you're responsible for you and you know yourself and therefore you can show up authentic. But part of sovereignty is also um, basically empowering yourself to be a sovereign being, to not look at everything like it's happening to you as it's happening and you're participating in it and therefore you have choices. Um, When people don't have sovereignty and they're seeking intimacy sometimes it often goes into codependency really quickly because people are looking for the other person to tell them what to do they're looking what the what the other people want and they're trying to comply to that in order as like almost like a currency for intimacy Mm -hmm. as a currency for love and that doesn't actually create intimacy over time and, and I know this from my own personal experience, you know, that's why I said, you know, we did get messy in the book. We talked about challenges. Yeah. But what I discovered is when you don't have sovereignty and you're seeking intimacy, the love you're getting, you actually don't really feel super secure because you are in some way, you know, not really being super authentic. And, you know, you have to keep that up. You know that, oh, if I actually come forth and say, I actually don't agree on this, then it threatens the intimacy. So, you know, through time and life experiences and many relationships, I've come to realize that for me, in order to have deep intimacy with another, um, I need to actually have sovereignty in myself. Um, Yes, I I, I had a personal sovereignty challenge, actually in um, another relationship, another very serious relationship where the person that I was with, didn't really want me to eat mushrooms in the house. (laughs) And it was a very small thing, you know, but it lasted 17 years. So for 17 years, I love mushrooms and I never ate mushrooms in the house. I only ate mushrooms outside of the house. And then when I ate mushrooms, I would immediately feel like, oh, this person for sure would smell mushrooms on me and not really like me as much, you know, and it, it was, it was Uh, right they're they're not psychoactive they were just delicious mushrooms (laughs) that would have been better right that would have been awesome like are you on mushrooms (laughs) but uh, the reason why it's so small and yet it was so significant was I literally stopped for 17 years and I love mushrooms and why would I do that ever again but I'm looking at myself when I was in my 20s and 30s right And I was so hungry for intimacy. I was so wanting to have someone to connect with that I was making what I would consider reasonable compromises. But over time, it was sort of diluting my own personal power and my confidence in my own lovability because I was never sort of putting that on the line, right? I was always like, oh, okay, I'm just, you know, not going to have, you know, that extra hit of mushrooms before coming into the house, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and when I shared the story with my with my friend she laughed she laughed so hard but you know we kind of dialed it back to her life you know because I like to talk to friends about their lives and you know she could go back to where she felt like she went too far you know in compromising some part of herself and was resentful and that you know was sitting there in between her and that partner and so I think there's no there's no real shortcuts to intimacy as, as someone who's had a lot of experiences. It, it needs to be cultivated at this pace of, well, this is who I am. And if this is hard for you, how do we really confront that? Rather than, okay, let's just bypass that. <laughs> I don't have to be sovereignty. When I'm around you, I just won't do these things. But we're not gonna really end up being that intimate. We're basically managing each other's triggers. Right. Um, which is, I think there's a lots of books on how to do that and a lot of advice on how to do that. But what I think this book is about and what my relationship with Terrence is about is a little bit different. It's, a, it's, it's definitely for mature love. You know, It's definitely for, for love who's, who's gone through other formulas of love and said, oh, you know what? I wanna try something different this time. And part of it is we each take personal responsibility For our happiness, we take personal responsibility for our likes and dislikes. And where we don't match, we also take personal responsibility to be honest about that and work with that rather than, you know, pushing that away or pretending it doesn't exist and then coming together and managing rather than, you know, coming together and communicating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's well said. I think another aspect is. Esme's talking about sovereignty. Um, the other aspect of intimacy that's required for intimacy is being intimate with yourself, uh, just knowing yourself, doing your own work, um, clearing all that crap that you have in your um, psyche, uh, doing the meditative practice, doing yoga, whatever practice you you need to do so that you can be comfortable and authentic with yourself. Because if, if you're being authentic with yourself then you're a sovereign being and if you're a sovereign being that's a necessary step to developing intimacy with another you have that intimacy with yourself you know your likes and dislikes you know uh, your um, your thoughts and feelings about about things and then you show up in authenticity uh, with a partner and then you're presenting yourself in a really um, straightforward and authentic way and that's one of the aspects of that's necessary for intimacy and that's how intimacy and sovereignty are tied together or one way. So. That's
0: perfect. I appreciate that. Cause
1: yeah. you know, the
0: one of the things that really stands out for me, for your book, and I've already listed a few, but uh, let me say this differently. Another thing that stands out for me for reading your book is the conversation you have around intimacy and sovereignty. And it's so powerful and you, you kind of just you know laid it out for us a little bit. And I really want to encourage folks to read the book, as you get a really clear picture
1: mm-hmm.
0: on the challenges of being a self-sovereign individual and how to be deepened your intimacy with another human being. But as you just said, Terrence, really deepening your connection to yourself, your intimacy with yourself right. is so important too. And then doing your own work so you can right. show up, you know, in a healthier, better way with within yourself and within your with your partner as well. Now, I've been teasing uh, transpersonal stuff along with this conversation. Right. So I'd love you guys, maybe one or two, Uh, and and if you could do two, one of them, I would encourage you guys to talk about healing across lifetimes, because some of the stories you tell are like, holy moly, amazing.
1: (laughs) Sure.
2: I think we'll both talk about healing across lifetimes, but I wanted to share that our very first sexual (laughs) sensual experience with each other was transpersonal, and it was unexpected. It was a surprise. And it was, it just blew us out of the water. You know, we were friends and we decided, you know, to become more intimate. And we had a transpersonal experience while doing 69, which is, you know, completely unexpected. But the way that it felt for me was that all of a sudden I felt first all the pleasure, but then I felt the energy through both of us. I felt his energy and my body and my energy and his body. And then eventually I did feel it was almost like a vibrational shift where I did feel like something else shifted. And then I felt this almost this very deep quietness in all the pleasure, like it had come past the sort of like the carnal pleasure that we feel into this deep, pleasure of quiet and oneness Mm -hmm. and it was completely unexpected and we spent you know a lot of time just like did that happen for you what happened here Mm -hmm. and then we wrote um Terrence wrote God touching herself you know as when two people have their energies cultivated in a way and they can meet each other on some ways then all of a sudden they can have this one experience and it is transpersonal in that When I was out of, when I was in that state, it did feel like I was meditating deeply, you know, it didn't feel like, you know, a sexual experience with a partner, although I could still feel the pleasure, there was another part that felt like, this is how I feel when I'm, you know, in trance. Yes. like deep trance or maybe when I've been you know dancing for a long time you know and I mean a lot of people who do a static dance can relate that after you do it for a while you know there's this like this bliss that you feel this bliss and this oneness and your heart opens you know to everyone and that's how I felt you know and the fact that it was our first experience really blew me away mm-hmm. you know um, you want to share Some others.
1: I I think a trance state is a good analogy for uh, for the experiences that with these transpersonal experiences that we have. Um, The sexual energy builds up uh, to a point when you're where you're almost in a continuous orgasm, and it becomes a meditative state, and you're stepping out of the 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 French call orgasm the little death. Uh, and that's, uh, because in that moment of, or extended moments of, of orgasm, uh, you're stepping out of time, you're stepping out of thought and you're basically stepping outside of your ego and the energy is shared between us. We're both having this experience at the same time, our egos, um, either evaporate or uh, go drink tea uh, with each other.
2: Drink tea. I love that.
1: (laughs) And we are in this timeless uh, dimensionless space. uh, And that's what it felt like. And that blew me away as it blew Esme away. The very first time we were intimate together, we had some magical connection uh, that facilitated that happening. And that's happened. That was our very first time of being intimate and it's happened over and over and over again. And the, the business about healing through lifetimes, these experiences of different lifetimes that we've come to one another over and over again in, in different lifetimes, the hundred lifetimes, is we will start channeling these visions uh, or feelings or um, experiences of being in a different place in a different time in a different um, dimension, Uh, you know, many, you know, thousands of years ago on a stone slab in an arboreal forest in northern Europe, or in a a Taoist temple in in China, or even uh, several lifetimes from now where um, Esme is a strapping young man and I'm a cute little redhead. Uh, (laughs) And so we have these experiences and it's just, we're living outside of time and outside of dimensions, so it's as if when we enter this 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 trance state we can travel through these different dimensions uh and different different times and that has enabled us and i'm not exactly sure how this happens it's enabled us to actually heal wounds that have occurred in previous lifetimes where we acknowledge those wounds we witness those wounds and you know we we make amends to one another for the, for the hurt that we've caused in these previous lifetimes. And that's been very, very healing for, for both of us. And we bring that into our present lifetime uh, as, you know, having felt much more whole in our connection.
2: Yeah. And it, it feels a little bit like a mystery, you know, like when I find myself telling it to other people, it feels like I'm telling them a fairy tale, you know, or a bedtime story about Mm. these past lives, because it feels like if you're not in a very open liminal meditative space, it may feel like, oh, I have to prove that this actually happened. But for us, you know, it happened, you know, in those heightened states, you know, of sexual connection. And then we would go into the transpersonal and have, basically trans memories. You know, I would have them and I would talk to Terrence and he would say, oh, I had some too. And then it would, would happen over a series of events. And, you know, it, it's like a puzzle, right? And then we kind of piece together feelings and it, it takes a lot of connection to ourselves. I don't think I could have done this, you know, in my twenties, you know, even if I was meditating for a while, but I've been meditating for a long time and I can I can put myself into meditative states and calm down my mind. So I think with the two of us, we both have that accessibility. And so we were able to, as Taryn said, remember some of these past lives or images and realize that, yeah, we we definitely didn't just come to each other just now. You know, there is a sense that we connected to each other before, especially since our first experience was so transpersonal. And I feel like when I talk about the book, there's been other people reading the book that said, oh, you know, I've I've met someone like this. It feels like I've known them before in another life. I like to read your book, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we can, I have the advantage of some of these folks are, are friends of mine. I'm like, you can read the book and we could talk about it. And so I I know that other people have them, you know, that other people have inklings of meeting someone and feeling like they've known them before, or even feeling like, oh, I think I have something to work out with them. And how do I access that? And, you know, we haven't gone as far as to write like a how-to book, because that's not what we wanted to write. It really is our experience. But it it is very amazing. And we've done things to enhance that, you know, where we you know, take each other seriously when we say, oh, I I had this, this trans memory of us. And when Taryn said, you know, we've done healing, you know, we've, we've done, and in the book, there's a ritual. We've done rituals where one of us can just go into one of those past life states and just share what happened and how we were hurt. And the other one just listens and with no judgment and with no question of whether or not it was real, even, you know, just receive, And then just let it go. Just, you know, just have a little fire or light a candle and, you know, um, do some sage and just allow each other to go through a ceremony of forgiveness and of letting go. Um, And I feel like that's very powerful, you know, to be able to do healing on that level with one another. Um, But it's universal, you know, I mean, I want to stress this again, that human relationships for me and what comes up, is also universal because I also know that I have people in this life, I have a hard time forgiving, you know, (laughs) and I know that there's things that aren't worked out with, you know, some other people. And so I, I think about that, that this is a practice in being able to access healing, you know, on a different level than sort of the egoic let's have an argument and like decide who is right or wrong and, and, you know, and stuff, but it's actually like, let's have a ceremony. Let's have a Mm. practice where we can process these things without having to get so much on right or wrong, but just to give each other the space, you know, to do the healing and to help each other heal.
0: Yeah. I love how you guys talk about the rituals, the practices, you know all these things that you just talked about. it's it, I would imagine it's permission giving. You know, people read your book and they're like, wow, I, you, either I've had some of those experiences and now I can I feel freer to talk about them, or I would like to have some of those experiences and and now there's a path or path I can begin to explore in terms of different practices that might lead me to have those kind of experiences. So you know I want to encourage anyone and everyone, whether you're in a relationship or not, to read your book, Tigress and Dragon, of 100 Lifetimes, an erotic memoir of sacred consorts. And uh, how can people find
1: your book and learn more about your work? Sure. Um, We have a website. It's uh, www.tigressanddragon.com. And on the website, there's some uh, written material there. We have some audio snippets from the book. We have some podcast snippets and links to podcasts. And there's also links to uh where you can buy the book it's available on amazon as a paperback or a kindle uh it's available on book baby it's available on barnes and noble and a lot of the sort of the standard sites so if you just go on to any one of your favorite book sites uh it's tigers and dragon and you google tigers and dragon uh it should come up uh with our book so great well esme
0: and terrence thank you so much for your time as I mentioned, let me encourage everyone to check out your book, Tigress and Dragon of 100 Lifetimes, erotic Memoir of Sacred Consorts,
1: and want to wish you guys a blessed day. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate uh, you having us on.
2: Thanks, Michael. It's been great to talk to you about our book.
1: Thanks, guys.